This is Canada Reads American Style, featuring two friends who love Canada Reads and Canadian literature. Welcome our host Rebecca from Michigan and Tara from Ontario. Hi everyone, it is Rebecca and Tara, and our topic for today's podcast is actually going to be about the Giller Prize. And Tara, as most of you should know by now, that's Tara's annual goal is to read the long list for the Giller. And we will talk about that in just a minute, but I first want to say hello. How are you doing? And then I'm going to throw in at the end, what are you currently reading? (laughs) Hello, Rebecca. I am doing well. Thank you. Rebecca knows I've had a little bit of back issues for the last week, but I am feeling much better today and much more mobile than I have been. But as a result, I've been able to read a lot this past week, a lot. Um, I am currently reading my nonfiction book is, oh my gosh, I am drawing a blank. Oh, no, I'm not. How to Be Perfect by Michael Schur. So Michael Schur is the one of the writers in, uh, of The Office and Parks and Rec. He's one of my mm. favorite comedy writers, yes. And he wrote a book about, oh, and The Good Place, of course. And he wrote about a book about philosophy. And it is highly entertaining. It's the only time I can say that I honestly have understood philosophy. And uh, I'm quite enjoying that one. Wow. Yeah, I philosophy okay yes. i'll have to take a look and see what that one's about i mean like kind of where it's going or how like is it can you give a little bit of something sure. about it like the first section of the book i would say he introduces uh, a couple of different fundamental philo- philosophy thoughts of philosophy philosophical thoughts Mm. I feel like there's a better phrase for that, but I can't think of it at the moment because my philosophy knowledge is very slim. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. He presents it. I feel like he did all the dirty work, did a lot of reading, talked to philosophy professors, and then comes back and I'm going to say dumbs it down, but in a very, very accessible way. Because mm-hmm. saying that he dumbs it down, I, I it's kind of negative, and that's not what he does. He his writing is brilliant. He puts it out there very clearly what they are, but also in a really like humorous uh, way, so that you like kind of giggling at the same time. It's really quite, it's really good, and I'm I'm almost finished. And he's now at the point where he's taking like um, circumstances, events that would happen that in your day-to-day life or even something that's happening happening culturally and he's looking at it from different schools of philosophy schools of philosophy that's the term i was looking for has he written anything else because this sounds, seems like just a weird book to publish you know what i mean it just seems yeah. like a really odd kind of far topic. as i know he has not i think what really spurred this book on what was the genesis of it was the good place have you watched the good place the series no. Oh, okay. So that is the good place is basically in a nutshell what makes a person good and makes them what makes them worthy of like going to heaven or perhaps oh. hell. So okay. in your daily life like you're just your it's a comedy. Rebecca, you have to watch this show. It's <laughs> funny, it's beautiful. I cry like a 
I can't even begin to describe how much I cry every time I watch the finale. I love this. I love this show. It's with Kirsten Bell, Ted Danson. Oh my gosh, Rebecca. No, I don't okay. know. I don't, yeah, I don't okay. really watch that much TV. Yeah. Everyone out there, watch The Good Place, watch The Good Place. So I don't think he's read, written any books, but he's written a lot of TV, a lot of scripts. Okay. And it was the, his research into writing The Good Place that was the genesis for writing this book. And so he looks at like uh, something that I read this morning was looking at sports teams who, owners of sports teams who refuse to change the name. Ooh. of their team because that's just the way it's always been so why would they think of how it's affecting how wow. other people feel so okay. he looks at that yes yeah i think i have to i might have to read that because yeah, first of all it makes sense what he does with this tv show and then what he this book like that makes yeah. sense to me now okay i got it and also i totally agree i probably would benefit from reading this book so oh yeah it's really and it's I went down a little rabbit hole. He mentions this one philosopher, Jeremy Bentham, from like, I think the 1800s. Just Google. As long as no one's like too afraid of like something, it's something weird and slightly graphic, but not really, but it's just like bizarre. You might Mm -hmm. get an image if you Google Jeremy Bentham head. (laughs) Okay. The most bizarre, (laughs) this strange uh, do you want me just to tell you i don't know if we're, this is the place for it but it's up to you okay jeremy bentham philosophy guy who when he died did not want to just die he wanted his body to be like mummified so he had his head wanted his head removed had his friend have his head removed his body the remainder of his body skeletonized and his head to undergo this special mummification process the whole point to be that then his head would then be reattached to his body, the body dressed in his very own clothing, and he could then be brought out for parties when his friends got oh together so they couldn't miss him. Now, there was a, a something happened in the mummification of the head. This was in, the, in London. He went to the University College in London is where he was. Something happened in the process of the head. The head came out, turned out to be quite gruesome. So they end up making a <laughs> wax head instead of his likeness. So it's, and this is now, so it's his wax head attached to his actual skeleton dressed in his actual clothing. And it's in a glass case in one of the student centers of a, one of the universities in London on display. They still have the head. At one point, you can also find pictures. They had the head the mummified head actually placed between his feet. It was horrifying to look at, but also I couldn't stop looking at this picture because this head, it's just weird. It's just weird. The head has now been removed and is no longer on display, but this university still has it. It's, I find this story fascinating. Excellent choice for, for October. That's an excellent discussion yes. point for October. <laughs> Thank you. Our, like our conversations totally veered <laughs> off from where I thought it would go, was going to go. But let's just say the book is highly entertaining, full of philosophy that people who are into philosophy will understand. And lots of facts, fun facts. It's really good. I'm really enjoying it. It sounds like I would really like that. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What are you reading? 
So I've had a busy week and I am embarrassed to say I have done zero reading. I have listened. I've been walking with Barack Obama. So I've been listening to Barack Obama read his memoir. So nice. which I think is something like six or 700 pages. So I'll be at this for a while. Yeah. Uh, so I've listened to a little bit of Obama, but the book I am going to start reading <laughs> is uh, Where the Falcon Flies by Adam Schultz. It's his latest book. It just dropped. And he was so amazing because we had interviewed him, I don't know, like now it must be a couple of years ago now, okay. but uh, I, on his Instagram account, he said, Hey, I'd love to come back to your podcast. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's fabulous. So I will be reading the book and I'll be having a chat with him uh, later. I'm not sure. Can't remember the date exactly, but uh, I'm really excited to help promote this book, although he really kind of doesn't need any promotion. The guy is a fantastic geographic uh, adventurer and writer. And his books are, if you love just the outdoors and, you know, I don't even know how to, I don't, I'm doing a poor job of, of sort of saying what he does, but it's basically... He's taking a canoe trip from Lake somewhere in Lake Erie all the way up to Hudson Bay, I think it is. And anyway, all of his books are fantastic. I've read yeah. them all and I'm excited to read this one. So yeah, that's what I'll be doing. That sounds really good, actually. Yeah. I'm going to add that one to my list as well. Oh, and let me just say, yeah. So then what I discovered was I accidentally ordered two books, one from two different companies. <laughs> so I get the I get the one book. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to read this. And then all of a sudden I get this email saying your book is shipped. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And then I looked and went, oh, my God. So Tara is the um, the will be the recipient of this other edition or this other book that I have. Happy book day for me. It was a happy accident to buy two because certainly I love supporting Adam and, and his writing and everything and his adventures. And so I feel like, okay, so I bought two books and you get to have one. So yay. Is this book, this latest book, is this also a solo trip that he did as well? Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, That's yeah, because- me about him. Yeah, because during the summer or during the period of time when he was actually doing this trip, he was also showing it on his Instagram account. And I mean to tell you, I was yeah. following along and I just think, God, I don't know how I don't know. this man does what he does. But the thing that amazes me the most, when I had interviewed him before and, you know, he's he's, you know, encountered grizzly bears and polar bears and everything. And I said to him something like, what scares you the most? Or is there anything that scares you? And he yeah. said, being on open water in a canoe. And at first I was just like, what? Like, seriously, like that's the thing that scares yeah. you? But then he went into detail and explained it. And then also watching him do that trip and reading more and understanding what he's talking about. Because at the end of the day, if he encounters an animal, he has a chance in different ways to not be dinner for that bear right yeah or an animal but boy when he if he like he says if he capsizes in open water he's gone like there's no, yeah. nobody there nothing to help him and he's just gone uh, there's no two ways about it so and I thought oh that makes sense so then watching his adventure this past year it gave me it was making me more nervous to mm -hmm. watch him because I thought god that's the thing that you know now I'm nervous for him you yeah. know okay Very cool are okay. we ready to talk all things Giller Prize? Yes, let's do it. Woohoo! 
Okay, so as Rebecca mentioned at the beginning, and as I know I have said, every year I put a reading goal of reading the previous long year's long list for the Giller. So quickly, I'm just going to give a little background to the Giller. Uh, the Giller Prize was founded in 1994 by Jack Robinovich in honor of his late wife, a literary journalist, Doris Giller, who had passed away from cancer the previous year. And then in 2005 is when the Giller teamed up with Scotiabank to create the Scotiabank Giller Prize, making it the first ever co-sponsorship for Canada's richest literary award for fiction, mm-hmm. which I think is just a pretty cool, actually, little background. Yeah. So last year's long list was, it was a long list because it was <laughs> north, <laughs> it's normally 12 books. Last year, the jury ended up with 15 books on the long list. Now, I'm going to start off with my DNFs. So the books that I did not read or started but did not finish, I had three, which actually brings my long list then back down to 12. Okay, can I jump in here for just a second? Yes. And say, when you and I did a podcast about DNFs, and you told me you rarely DNF. So when you were telling me, you were DNFing some of these Giller books. I was shocked. I know. For me, I've been DNFing like crazy the last six months. Now, me, that's maybe what, like four or five books, but still like that never happens, right? But I think a lot of the time, I'm very good at picking out what books I want to read and I know what books will work for me. But Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of this Giller long list is that I haven't actually picked these books out, right? Like I'm trusting someone else to pick books for me. Yeah. And then I've committed to reading this. So there is always a chance that there are going to be one or two books that I'm not going to like or that I'm not going to finish. So this year there ended up being three. So one was Stray Dogs by Rowie Haig. I didn't actually even attempt this book because I have read an earlier book by this author that I finished that book, but I didn't really enjoy it. So when I saw this book on the long list, I just chose right from the beginning not to read it because I'm, it's 15 books and I have so many other books to read that I was like, I've given this author a chance. A lot of people love his work. It's not for me. I know that. So I just Mm -hmm. chose right from the beginning not to read it. Second book was Pure Color by Sheila Hetty. I have not read anything by this author. So I did attempt this book and I think I made it about 50 pages and decided it was not for me. And then the last book is In the City of Pigs by Andre Forget. Uh, Now, the reason this one, I, because I feel like it was a well-written book, but the subject matter was about uh, uh, a musician. I think he was actually a composer, was the main character. So there was a lot of musical terminology and description, like for several paragraphs or sometimes even a couple of pages, that I just didn't understand and that I just wasn't interested in. Like, you know, because sometimes if I don't understand something, it will just lead me to do a little research and a little Googling and find it out myself. But I just, I'm not interested in classical music to the depth to which he was going into it. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I just didn't bother about it. And then at one point, I can't remember the scene, but it gave me like an eyes wide shut vibe. And I did not like that movie. So I'm like, I'm out. I'm just, oh. yeah, yeah. So can you go back for a second? And because mm-hmm. um, I understand about Stray Dogs and in the City of Pigs. But so yeah. what was it about Pure Color that sort of made you go? I don't want to read this. Uh, I didn't like the writing style. I didn't like the main character, which is not something I don't need to. A main character does not need to be likable, but I do need to like the character in some Mm -hmm. way. And I did not like her. And I just, there was one, I was, I was close to giving up and I was like, nope, nope, give it another go. Cause I think it's a short book too. I feel like it was only about 200 pages. And at this point I was almost 50 pages in. So I was like, no, don't give, like, you've read a quarter of the book now. I think you can keep going. It's a short book. And I flipped the page, and the next page was just something about excrement. And I was like, no, (laughs) done. That was the first paragraph. And I'm like, that's a sign. I'm out. Like, I just, I, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the reading. And I felt even for those 50 pages, I was pushing myself to read them. Yeah. So just not for me. Okay. Now she is very like lauded Sheila Hetty. Like this is not her first time on the Giller long list. She's gotten awards. It's just not every book is for every reader. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Now the rest of the, I did very well with, so I'm going to just go quickly through each book and give my little take. And if you have any questions, go for it. I sure will. Okay. So the first one is Lesser Known Monsters of the 21st Century by Kim Fu. Loved this one. It's a short story collection. Weird, bizarre, sometimes horrific stories with a sense of connection to the human condition. And I loved this collection. I read this one before the winner was announced. And this was the book that I was just like, I want this book to win. So I really loved this one. Yeah. Now, following that up with the, the actual winner which was The Sleeping Car Porter by Suzette Mayer, loved this book as well. So once I read this book, I was like, okay, I'm happy with this book having read or having won. And that is the one I tried reading Sleeping Car yes. Porter and I just could not get into it. I did not, it just did not. And I think I got about 50 pages in, I think. And I was just like, I, I don't know why it just was not hitting me. And it's funny, our good friend, Colleen, she did finish Sleeping Car Porter, I'm pretty sure, yeah. but she was not a big fan of it, I think. Okay, interesting. Because then I know our other podcast friend, Sarah. Oh, yeah. I think she really enjoyed this as well. Yes, she did right? love it. Yes, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I, I find that fascinating because we all know that not every book is going to be for every person, as we just discussed. But yeah. when you have like some people love a book and then mm-hmm. other people go, it just wasn't for me. Like even not that you didn't like, like hate it, but yeah. you were like, no, just, yeah. No. Yeah. I, yeah. Because for me, I was reading it and I was feeling bored and I was, yeah. I kept thinking, I'm not having that experience. You know, when you're reading something you enjoy and you want to read it, you want to keep reading it. I was yeah. sort of pushing myself to read it. And then I finally said, okay, there are a million other books you would enjoy reading. So just yep. let this one go. And so I did. Very interesting. Cause I, Remember, I had like a a visceral reaction to it at times because Baxter, who is the main character, the trained porter, 
is sleep deprived due to his job that he's got to be basically attending these rich customers 24 hours a day. And I could feel the sleep deprivation at times, the way she uh, described it. And it was like, stressed me out sometimes. I just wanted that poor man to be able to sleep. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Next one, Hotline by Dimitri Nasrallah, which was long listed here and was also short listed for Canada Reads. I enjoyed this book, but I don't think I enjoyed it as much as others did. Like, especially when during the Canada Reads debates, people loved this book. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I liked it. I thought it was a good book, but... Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I liked it. I liked it a lot, but I didn't... It wouldn't... Like, it wouldn't make my list of, like, even best books I read this year, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I almost forgot that it had been on the long list till I was going through this, getting ready. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that. I remember it was on Canada Reads, and that's it, so... And what's great is it was a twofer because it was on the Giller and yes. on Canada yes. Reads. Yes, so so. I was like, yeah. tick, tick. <laughs> <laughs> I love ticking off something. Yeah. Oh, so much fun. Okay, next book was Mouth to Mouth by Antoine Wilson. This was a strange little book, but I really enjoyed it. Essentially, the main character saves the life of another character and then inserts himself into that person's life yes yeah it's really quirky Mm -hmm. and uh yeah I enjoyed it I don't kind of even remember you reading that one that's so weird I'll have to go back and look at your review I think I posted it who knows maybe I didn't but I did enjoy that one it was weird Mm -hmm. okay another book that I really really enjoyed and read only last month actually in September is we measure the earth with our bodies by Sering Yangzom Lama. So uh, I read this, yeah, just in September. If you want to go back to episode 146, which is when Rebecca and I did a little preview for the Eden Mills Writers Festival, I had this as one of of my currently reading books. So I gave a a nice little description at that point. But that was like a top book in the long list for me. And I have to, what I remember is that I mean, so many people loved that book. Yeah. Like, I think everybody, I, every review I read, I don't think anybody didn't really love that book. So. Yeah. I think it made the Carol Shields prize, the long list for that prize as well. But I would have to double check, but I think it did. Okay. Next book, another, actually another winner. I really, really like this one, Avenue of Champions by Connor Kerr. And I believe this is his debut and it's a collection of linked stories. This was a brilliant little book and written, it it had like some gut punches in it, lots of humor, and I would best describe this as flipping the bird to colonialism and pseudo-reconciliation through these stories. That's what, that's what this book came to me as. I was just like, I really, really liked this one. I thought this was a great one. Okay. I'm starring that one, especially because I love linked stories. So I'm putting a star next to that one. It was a great collection, which I haven't really, aside from the Giller, haven't seen it about a lot. Like, I'm really kind of surprised after I'd read it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm surprised that it hasn't gotten more word of mouth kind of thing. Yeah, because I'm looking at the cover and the cover doesn't even, I mean, I don't yeah. see this cover anywhere, people posting about it. Yeah, the cover's kind of lackluster a little bit too, I think. Yeah, it is. It's a map, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I love, and I'm a math person, geography major and all that, but yeah, that's a pretty dull yeah. kind of cover, bless their little hearts. Okay. Yeah, dull compared to what the what's inside of it. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. do, it justice, do it justice. Okay. Okay, next is All the Quiet Places by Brian Thomas Isaac. This is a very dark, very dark book. There's no hope. <laughs> I will just put, to put I, I enjoyed it. Like the writing was very good, but there's, if you need a little bit of hope or lightness in your books that are dark, this is not the book to look for. It felt like I was reading a memoir because it was so like personal. The story seemed so personal. It almost felt more like a memoir at times. And I had to keep reminding myself that it was a fiction. I picked up this book and I'm trying to think, I feel like it was on the long list for Canada reads. I think, I think it was it too. Was. Yeah. And so I was looking at the list and, and I said, Ooh, that one sounds good. And then yeah. I got it. I got it before the short list was announced and I did not like, I started reading it and I, it, it's weird that you say how kind of it's not a happy book, so to speak, no. or it doesn't have a, it doesn't have hope in it. I guess it's more likely the right way to say it. But I felt just like even starting it, I was sort of like, oh, it just had a weird vibe to it when I started yeah. it. So again, I was, and I didn't even get, you know, 40, 50 pages in. I just said, no, I'm going to let this one go. Yeah. In the last maybe 20, 25 pages, the last part of the book anyways, like stuff are, these terrible things are just, I felt like they were being lobbed at me just like, bam. And I'm like, oh, shit, bam, bam. And I'm like, wow, I'm, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. Okay. Mm. If an Egyptian cannot speak English by Noor Naga. This was a weird book as well. Mm-hmm. An unusual structure. It was uh, split into like three parts. The first part was alternating viewpoints that I, of the two main characters, because it's a, bit of a I'm, I'm loosely it's a love story uh, but I didn't realize it was alternating viewpoints until several chapters in uh, which is not a bad thing like it was it was fine it made me work for it kind of thing and I, I liked that once I figured it out once you figure out who's speaking so I didn't mind that but it just took me a while to get into it part two was a little more traditional in the storytelling and stuff like that and part three, I just remember going, why? I don't know why this part's here. Like, I, so I was just like, uh, the book could have ended after part two. You know what kills me? I also <laughs> picked up that book and I started to read it. And the reason I picked it up actually was I was on on an online book club and um, I got it and I started to read it and immediately, and I have to admit, this book club yeah. I was on in... I tried to read two other books that they recommended that they were going to talk about. And I ended up DNFing both of those and I donated the books. I had to buy them because I couldn't get them. And so I DNFed and donated those two. And then Egyptian, I was able, I think, to get it as an e-copy. And I was just like, man, that book club was definitely not my book club. So, boy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So all of the... The ones that I did not DNF, like I'm glad I've read all of them for mm-hmm. different reasons. Like there were several, there are at least four that I really, really, really enjoyed. And the other ones, there were 
most of them I enjoyed some that even the ones that I didn't enjoy like this one I'm glad I read it just even to see the different structure the different type of writing like you know just there was something in each book mm -hmm. that I came away from with or I something I learned or something even if I learned that I don't like that type of book you yeah. know so I'm I'm not disappointed I read this book but mm -hmm. it just again I was I was like part that part three I'm like I, I don't get that but anyways if anyone else has read that book and gotten to that part three let me know what you thought I think I could see stylistically the reasons for it but as a reader for narrative reasons I didn't see a reason for it okay the next book was Lucienne and Olivia by Andre Narbon. Great opening paragraph. I loved the opening paragraph. And then I just found that the rest of the book didn't deliver. What was the title of it again? Lucienne and Olivia. And Olivia. Okay. Yeah. And uh, almost like, and the writing again was good, but it was almost, I felt like the writing was too aware of itself and trying to do something instead of just flowing and telling a story. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. But now, did you read that one recently? Yes, that was in September as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I just, it took me a minute to find it, because I'm, I'm writing these yeah. down as I go as well, just so for show notes. So Lucienne and Olivia. Oh, that's right. They had a, it had a great cover. Great cover. The great, uh, if I had the book here with me, I would read out the, first even the first line but the first paragraph it's just short but it was a library book so I don't have it like a great great opening hmm. that first paragraph I was something about an anchor falling and someone not moving out of the way and I'm not doing it justice because that makes it sound really boring but it was like a great opening but it just didn't do it for me in the end it was a love yeah. story but and it says it's 110 pages. So, boy, yeah. that's a heck of a story. I mean, to pack all that, I guess, into 100 pages or 110 yeah. pages. Hmm. Okay. Now, there's a lot of, because you like ships. There was a lot of ship stuff, Rebecca. Mm -hmm. Maybe like I a will. lot yeah. of ship stuff. You might actually, because I think sometimes I got a little bogged down. I believe the main character, uh, Lucienne, is an engineer, like on a ship. Oh, I probably would like this. So I feel like you might actually like mm -hmm. it because sometimes I felt like I got bogged down in the details when mm -hmm. I just wanted the story. Okay. Yeah. That might be you one might for actually, me. Yeah. Cool. And then I would love for you to be able to read that opening paragraph because it's oh, great. Excellent. Yeah. I will definitely check that one out. Yes. Uh, next, I have A Minor Chorus by Billy Ray Belcourt which was a, a favorite in this list. I really enjoyed that, that he's Billy Ray normally has been a poet. So I believe this was his first novel. I really liked it. I found sometimes the writing a little academic, but it was a good blend with like non-academic, but then because uh, the main character himself was a grad student, it made me look forward to more of what Billy Ray is going to do in the future. Like I'm looking forward to more of his writing. And I feel like this was the first one that you read to kick off your Giller list. Is that correct? I think it was. It was way back in September. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like okay. last September, sorry. So a year ago. 
And then the final one is What We Both Know by Fawn Parker. This book was not for me. I did finish it. I liked the, I almost had forgotten about this book until I went back and looked through my notes. And I liked the premise of it. I thought it was really well written. I liked the style that uh, Parker chose. But in the end, it was just, there were moments when I was genuinely uncomfortable while I was reading the book and not uncomfortable in that I know I'm learning something about myself and therefore just suck it up and be uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but more uncomfortable as in uh, like, why is the narrator strangling a dog that was hit by Um, a truck instead of trying to get help for the dog? Not to be a spoiler. I should have said that, but that was like, that was one. And there were a couple of moments when I was just like, I, I, I just, I was, did not like reading a couple of things. Yeah. Yeah, like the premise, so an adult daughter writing the memoir of her father for him, and her father is like a Canadian literary icon who now has Alzheimer's and cannot write it himself. So I, I love the premise of it, but it just got a little uncomfortable and weird for me at times. Okay, now, because I do keep track, I only count yeah. 14 books. Oh my. I think you might have missed one. Do you think it's possible you missed one? I had three, let's see. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. <gasps> yes, I have. Let me go to my list. I am so sorry, listeners. I am going to go because I have a list. So here. you look for that, and I will just talk a little bit about how I love that Tara does this every year. And I think it's impressive as hell because as a mood reader, I could never have a list for a whole year and stick to it. That is why I've done a great job with Aesop's Fables because it was one (laughs) book and every day I read a little paragraph and that I've been able to stick to for a, well, it'll be, I'll finish it um, in a few days actually. But uh, I think it's impressive that that you take on this challenge and that you really do enjoy it. I mean, and you're reading the best of the Canadian authors. I mean, you're just doing such an awesome job with this. I think it's great. Well, thank you. I do really enjoy it, even though I feel like I've been, because I try not to bring books. I don't generally bring books to the podcast that I don't enjoy myself. So this Mm -hmm. is a different experience for me today to bring books that I'm talking negative, some books that I'm talking negatively about. But like I said, I've I'm still, I'm getting something out of most of them, especially the ones I finished, whether it's that I've been introduced to a a different style of writing, a new writer, or even learned about something that like learned what kind of book or author is not for me. Right. Right, But I want to say one thing I know because you're a very, very positive person, but I don't think that what you're doing is being negative about books or writers. Cause I will tell you, we both read plenty of or seen videos or whatever of plenty of people, readers who bash authors or bash yeah. a book hard. And you're not doing that. You know, the, yeah. even the three you said you didn't care for, you know, I mean, they made the giller for a reason. You're oh, not yeah. sitting there telling everybody, oh my God, don't read this. this is the worst thing I've ever read, blah, blah, blah. And that's not who you are as a person. It's not who I am as a reader. I, I also, I mean, there are some times when I put out a thing where I might say, I didn't love this like other people loved it, but you know, 
we both agree authors work so freaking hard for their little scratched corner of the earth, you know, and I give them all the credit. And if, even if I don't care for it, I am never going to be like out and out insulting to an author. I just admire them too much. So, so you didn't do that. Okay. That's good. Cause I was going to say the three books that I didn't read were not at all badly written. Like they just weren't the books for me. Right. And the mystery has been solved, Rebecca. There are only 14 books on the list, not 15. I apparently <gasps> can't count. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So for the whole year, I thought there were 15 because you kept saying 15. I know. <laughs> Unless I missed something <laughs> and didn't include one in my list when I originally wrote it down. That is hilarious. But Yeah. If you did forget it, we will just talk about it at our next podcast. You can give it a shout out at the next podcast. I was going to say, it's too late now. I'm done. I'm done. I have called 2022. I've called it. It's done. And I've moved on to 2023. Excellent. All right. Well, we are really excited. I love listening to you talk about the books uh, each year. And so I am looking forward to the current list and I know it's 12. So uh, going forward. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, I look forward to hearing what you have to say about those. So thank you. I'm looking forward to this one. It's a good list. It's a, that's the cool thing about the Gaylor too. Every year where they pick different, it's a different jury. So you never, there's always different themes or, you know, like different tastes. It's, it's always good. It's always fun. Okay. Happy reading everyone. Thank you for joining us on our bookish journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing Canada Reads American Style wherever you listen. You can connect with the podcast and Rebecca on Instagram at Canada Reads American Style and with Tara at On a Branch Reads. Until next time, keep reading.